This is the official podcast of Elamir, where we have conversations with B2B storytellers about how they go about doing what they do. Well, cool. So I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation. Obviously, we, you and I, have talked about a lot of this stuff, but excited to do it while we're recording, so that other people can listen. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just jump right in with um, your experiences, because you personally in your career have done some pretty cool stuff, even though it's still a young career. So <laughs> tell me about tell me about uh, tell me about some of your path. Yeah. So I started out in a sales role for a little less than a year. Um, I always thought I wanted to be a consultant. I think I'd mentioned to you, my dad was a consultant. That was like his whole career. So I thought it was kind of the end all be all was a consultant, was fortunate enough to, to land a role, um, worked at, uh, Deutsche Bank and Morgan Stanley through the consultancy and realized that I didn't love it. <laughs> I mean, and no one's fault there. I just think personally, I wanted a faster paced environment and really wanted to kind of go somewhere and be a part of building something. Yep. And so that kind of really landed me in thinking about startups. And so it was 2017 and better.com or better mortgage. You'll kind of, we'll talk, we'll say better as well. <laughs> the, the, the company with a few names um, had just done its series B. It was in the fintech space, sounded really exciting, still pretty small and new. And so I ended up joining their growth team there. And then over the course of a four year period, worked my way through different roles on marketing and ended up actually being the head of marketing. Yeah. So I was there, yeah, for four years and it was a incredible opportunity and roller coaster of a ride. <laughs> yeah. And how many how many people were working with you at one point when you were at head of marketing? At one point there was about twenty five or thirty people within the marketing team. Yeah. It just the marketing old, team. And how old were you at that point? Probably twenty seven, maybe yeah. twenty eight. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's such a good experience to have at twenty seven and twenty eight. Is is yeah. what was like the biggest mistake you made as a leader <laughs> in that role? I think understanding where the line is between like being friends with someone and being a leader to someone. I myself am like a really agreeable person. I love socializing. I loved my team. They were my friends, actually. You can be friends with people you work with, but there also are times when you need to kind of understand that at the end of the day, you're first there to be a leader and run the business. And then you're, you know, everything else is nice to have. So it's not like one critical thing happened, but I think yeah. learning over time that you can, you know, push people and be direct and maybe come off a bit stern or direct, but that doesn't mean you're not like friends with them. So yeah, I think when you're younger, it's really easy to get caught up in like the fun and that's like 90% of it. But yeah, that, that was a hard lesson to learn to kind of know when to put your foot down. And it doesn't mean that you don't like a person. It actually means if anything, you're helping them. Yeah, exactly. And and helping the team. No, that's cool. Sorry to put you on the spot. I'm just so curious. Like, it's just such an unusual experience to have at that age to grow yeah. that quickly with a team. It's like, yeah, it must have just been wild. My whole team, maybe with the exception of a few folks towards the latter end or the end of it was like older than me. And, and that's when it kind of comes to realize like it's not about age. Yeah. It really is about other softer skills. Of course, experience matters. And I got really, really great technical experience in all things marketing. Like it almost was a boot camp for me. And my past experience was still relevant. 
Um, but there are certain skills that, you know, come with age, but also like if there's a moment to maybe step into them, that's the moment I had. So yeah, it was, it was wild for so many reasons. Also just seeing a company experience hyper growth, go through COVID, um, raise different rounds of fundraising. Like you really almost can't like write these things. (laughs) Like it really, it was like, I'm very fortunate ultimately because it just like taught me so much. And even though it was crazy and difficult at times, I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am, honestly. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So th- this experience of a, of a company going, like you said, you can't, you could almost not script it better. Like it is kind of the, <laughs> for startups, it's kind of the ideal like story, right? It's like the, the up and up and to the right growth that everybody wants to see. So like when, obviously this podcast is about storytelling and, and content. So as you think about those four years of growing from a storytelling and content perspective, kind of what, what things were working and probably to answer that, you'll have to give a bit of context on, on what better actually does. Yeah. So better is a mortgage company like at its core. So they help people buy homes and also refinance. Um, they also added on different offerings. So they also help you match up with the real estate agent, they have a homeowner's insurance offering, title insurance. So basically anything that you need to buy and kind of save around your home, they are facilitating an offering. So when I join and when we kind of think about content, I feel like a lot of our learnings felt obvious, but I feel like that's also how marketing goes. Um, the things that worked really well were one, really leaning into like tools and calculators. So those are things that require tech resources. Uh, Those are things that require more buy-in, more of a business case, but ultimately they're like worth the push and they're worth like even just building an MVP around Um, because where you need to start is kind of answering or giving a thing of value very immediately. So what I found with like content generally is like the things of value can be like educational insights that are maybe more generic, actual custom insights that come from a tool or more so stories. And so when you kind of think about like focusing on those three areas as a company that was trying to help you with a very large financial decision, it felt natural to start with a tool that gave you more immediate insight into what is this going to cost me? And so our tools and calculators, even when I left, had the most traffic, engagement, helped with SEO. We could drive to it as a re-engagement tactic, just really, really valuable content. Um, On top of that, though, secondary was this newsletter that we created that I was really, really excited and proud of. So um, maybe mention this a bit with, with a financial services company, though, again, it's one challenge to acquire someone, but the real challenge is to actually convert them. It can take six months, nine months, 12 months to actually convert a user for a bunch of reasons. I mean, one, buying a home is a really big deal. You're, if you like start looking today, you might not actually decide to do it for six months. There's other yeah. factors like where the rate environment is. And so as a marketer, it's not just get them in the door, but it's actually build trust with them, engage with them, and actually build a relationship that's like low cost so that when they're ready, they come back to you. And okay. so then what we did with our database of users is we thought about What's a way to like stay relevant, stay engaged through content? And that's like where our weekly newsletter was born. So every week we would think about all of the news going on in the world related to mortgage. And if we all think back to COVID, it was especially like talked about where rates were, what it was like. Everyone wanted to go buy a home outside of the city because why would you live in the city anymore? And yeah. so we were able to take all of that and spit out a educational piece of content that wasn't selling better, but that was just educating on the broader space. And then through that, you were building trust. So it feels really obvious, 
but it goes back to kind of the pillars of content, give a thing a value that's custom, give a thing a value that's maybe more broad. And so leaning into giving educational content about this big decision really worked. And the way we actually knew it worked is through just good old testing. And so this is where I think storytelling and like growth really come together is I obviously thought our content looked and felt amazing, but I also worked out better. Um, And so to actually understand, did it do anything? We just did some holdout testing for six months. So we saw if audience A got the newsletter and engaged with it and audience B didn't, was there overall higher conversion? And in fact, there was. So this is where I feel like kind of when you think about uh, marketing, excuse me, overall, you really want to understand both good storytelling, but then also kind of backing that storytelling with actual data. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting. The, I, I read like a, a um, hilarious kind of meme or whatever that was like, you know, uh, there's the, there's this stat that people use in, in like marketing, obviously like click through rates, you know, yeah. and, and, but like taking credit for closings on like click through rates is, akin to like giving an ex-girlfriend credit for the wife that you're currently with, (laughs) which I thought was a really funny way to think about it. But it's kind of true. Like you don't really know why people are doing certain things with the data that you get. So it's, it's like, it's hard sometimes to suss out in the data, like, okay, but what does that really, really mean? And what is it? What is it? Um, And it's interesting to hear you say like, it is obvious, like a newsletter, you know, and educational content, like, you know, people say that, but it's like, I'm sure when you're actually providing value for people and you're actually engaging with them, you're not just selling them or whatever, like it does drive impact. And it's cool to hear that you saw that in the data. Yeah. And I would say like, it's obvious, like we put a lot behind it. We had a dedicated full-time copywriter every week working on it. We had designs made up. So it wasn't, it was really putting like our best into it as well, because I think everyone wants to do a newsletter. Everyone wants a database of people, but like, what is your angle? What's the unique aspect? How are you bringing data into it? That kind of storytelling actually goes super far. And then, yeah, on the measurement side, I always like to think about it as influence because to your point, you can't take full credit. But you yeah. can kind of assume there was some sort of influence baked in. And again, what I learned at Better is how to really think about building a business case for everything you do. Because even with great growth, there's also still a lot of scrutiny on spend and time allocation. And so, yeah, I think with content, it's about doing it really well, but also justifying it. And I think those two things really lead to powerful like storytelling that also translates to growth because that's you know what we're ultimately here to do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, that's really interesting. So I guess let's pivot now to what you're doing now. Um, yeah. And and tell me about Withco and what, what you guys are up to with, with what's happening over there. Yeah, with Withco. With um, Withco. So Withco is this amazing mission-driven real estate company that helps small business owners become property owners. Uh, and it's through a lease-to-own model. So America's best business owners are typically stuck leasing with the lease comes a ton of uncertainty. And I think we've all unfortunately seen those headlines of XY business closing because their land, uh, their rent went up and they can't afford it. And it just leads yep. to this cycle of uncertainty and ultimately business owners make our communities. And so we believe they should benefit from it. And so thinking about that holistically, what we're really trying to do is first and foremost, uh, equip business owners with insights about real estate 
about what to do with a lease, about if they're ready to lease to own. And if they indeed are, then we actually enter into a lease with them. They rent from us. They earn equity to then be able to actually go buy the property from us in only five years. So really kind of transforming how business owners operate, the relationship they have with their space, and then unlocking this really amazing value of immediate control, but long-term thinking about wealth creation. If you retire, not only do you have your business to maybe sell or pass down, but you have this actual commercial real estate asset, and that in itself is super powerful. Yeah, that's really cool. So when you approach you know, these businesses with content, with stories, you know, like what are some of the hurdles you're facing? And, and then what, you know, as a reaction to that, like, how do you approach content? How do you approach storytelling with them? Yeah, it's funny because I think every industry it's challenging to break through, but it's especially hard to break through with small business owners, especially those that have maybe been operating for, you know, two or three years, have a bit of success under their belt. They rightfully so are going to be relatively closed off to like new parties because it's their baby. Like it literally truly is like their blood, sweat and tears. And so what's challenging is to like how to cut through, how to be differentiated and then also how to educate because like we're a brand new offering. You can't just kind of point to what others are doing and do it better. You actually have to just like redefine how to show up in the market. And so when it comes to content and storytelling, it kind of goes back to the basics of like showing versus telling, like actually show them how we can enable their growth show them like the functional value, show them how they can actually take $200,000. And instead of putting that towards a down payment today, we'll actually help them buy the building in five years. And that $200,000 can go into new equipment, can go into a growth initiative. So you're still like kind of showing them how they can be savvier with like the resources and capital they have. And so that translates to really strong case studies, to actually pulling data into the ads that we're serving them. And then ultimately how you really though do this all together and build trust is through storytelling of our actual partners. Cause you want to show them that you can, you know, generate value for their business. Yep. But there's also an element of just having our partners speak to the value of Withco and really video is the best medium to do that. Yep. I'm also biased in that I love our partners and their stories and I think other yep. people will. And so it's incredible just to give them a platform to be able to speak yeah. to what they're building and what Withco enables. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what do you mean by partners and, and like, what are the, what are the stories? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll use one um, of a business actually based in Georgia. So when I say partners, these are business owners that have signed a Withco lease. So yep. they're on their way to owning their commercial property. Um, and so our partners are across the U.S. and are uh, a business owner that could be running a restaurant to a pickleball facility to a car wash. So I'll even just to give the example of the car wash um, group that we work with in Georgia. It's a group of five gentlemen, grew up in the state, super local, had this vision to kind of reimagine the car wash experience. And so they not only want customers to have an amazing experience, but they want the people working there to also really feel part of the brand and company. So they pay way above minimum wage. They get back to the community. They like kind of make getting your car wash fun because <laughs> I feel like it started to kind of feel like more of a task than like a fun experience. And so with that, they have really big ambitions to open 40 locations. Yep. To open 40 locations the traditional way would require tons of time, tons of um, like kind of proof in the pudding. It would take a bank years and years and years to actually give you that much capital to go and do that. 
With Withco, we actually enable them to open 40 locations in, you know, one to two years. Yeah. So like the difference there is they have the vision. They know what they're doing. They have like this really ambitious goal and traditional sources of capital don't really facilitate that. With Withco, we're able to facilitate these entrepreneurs and enable them to, again, kind of do what they want. Um, while also ultimately becoming property owners. So it's really this like, again, I like I say transformation, but it really feels like a transformation yeah. in how they think about building their business and growing their business. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting and exciting about the stories that you guys can tell with your content and your business is because there isn't really anything on the market like what you guys offer. It's like, it's almost like tricky because like you said, you have to go to these businesses and they're like, all right, this seems too good to be true. I've even, I mean, we've worked together and I've seen, I've seen like you guys came to Durham where I'm based and, and I've seen small business owners, you know, thinking about it and they're going, okay, but what's the catch here? Kind of like, this doesn't feel like how banks operate. So this has got to be something sketchy or whatever, obviously not. And so it's interesting, like trying to, you, you have to be real careful with your stories because if you try to sell too much or you're trying to be too heavy handed, it can work against you. So it has to just be like really transparent and really clean and very like kind almost, you know, because yeah. otherwise there's no trust. A hundred percent. And like with any financial decision, I think that's like critical for a brand to keep in mind yeah. with content. Like ultimately there is a trade here. So like there's a few things that, you know, kind of make this work. One, we like need access to a small business's financials because ultimately we have to kind of assume risk on their behalf. So can they financially support what we're doing? That's a pretty low lift trade for them though to get access to, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars to go buy a building. And then second is they have to pay rent on time. But that is what they're actually agreeing to already with the landlord. But instead of, you know, kind of having that like feeling at the back of your head that maybe one day I'll get the call. You don't have to have that with Withco, but you're absolutely right. You want to be really upfront about like how you get it and like what's the catch because otherwise your like content feels maybe too aspirational or like too good to be true. And so that's a really important balance of like, I got all this amazing stuff and this is what Withco needed from me. I feel like when you think of storytelling, you have to make sure those two things are like close enough together where it kind of validates everything that we're doing. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. So when you like, so I, I mean, as as you're thinking about, I know you're doing a big push in Georgia um, mm-hmm. to to get some businesses. If I'm allowed to talk about it uh, that openly, yes. Uh, okay, good. Uh, then, like, as you think about, you know, you guys are outsiders. You know, you're you're you maybe you have some folks in Georgia. I'm not sure exactly, but like, how do you think about like, you know when you are going into that market, like what are your concerns or what are your, how do you go about thinking about that strategy from a marketing perspective? Like where do you start? Where do you start? And then from there kind of like, what do you, what what are your steps to making sure it's successful? Yeah. I mean, it is definitely really important to think about like how a New York city company enters a market like that, because there's going to of course be perception and just some like standoff behavior So when we think about the marketing strategy, I think first and foremost, you have to start with like the customer you're going after, like what is like their main kind of pain that you're solving? And then how do you reach them and kind of speak to that pain? And so for us, what we're fortunate is that leasing is a very painful experience. And so it is not an obvious, but it's something that we can very easily lean into that kind of already like lessens the barrier to like wanting to kind of engage with content. 
So yeah. kind of speaking to a pain that exists, um, not, you know, not trying to stray so out of the box and being very simple in that you have this painful thing, you're stuck leasing usually, and we have a simple solution, kind of being very simple, I guess, in your approach from a messaging standpoint. Yeah. Um, I would say second to that, like bigger picture, you have to lean into the community and like kind of what's already happening. And so what I mean by that is there are strategic partners and community organizations and so many people already thinking about small businesses in these communities. We need to really think about how we leverage them, how we inform them and how we educate them. And so it all goes back to educating. <laughs> and like our thing of value for that audience is there is this brand new toolkit that you can like give to small business owners in your community. And like that toolkit is like with And yeah. so we can do, you know, reach out to them, engage with them, leverage them. That kind of, again, smooths the entry because people again are thinking about this obsessing about it. Like we don't yeah, need yeah. to like restart the narrative. We just need to figure out how to be a part of it. So yeah, I think then like the last thing is um, thinking about maybe ways to kind of put your money where your mouth is immediately. And so what I mean by that is obviously what we want to do is invest tens of millions of dollars in Georgia. And when I say invest, that means we're buying real estate on behalf of business owners and then they're eventually buying it from us. That will be us showing up. We're putting our money where our mouth is. But in the near term, do we maybe give $10,000 away or sponsor a local organization? Like we really want to be part of the community. We really want small business owners to feel like they're seen. And so thinking of other more immediate ways to kind of show them that we're serious and we're not yeah. just doing this to like make a quick buck and show investors we can grow. It's all totally. interrelated. Totally. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think like, why do you think you do this at a personal level? Like what's so exciting for you about this kind of work you're doing now at more of a personal level? So I think outside of Withco generally, like marketing really speaks to me because I'm both very analytical, but I also love engaging with people. And I like kind of think about it like as storytelling, even though that's not like how I actually think about my life. Like I love just chatting with friends and like telling funny stories. And so I think like on a spiritual level, like, marketing and like brand building is just really much like who I am at my core because yeah. I love yeah balancing like fun initiatives and and getting a brand out there with like thinking about the impact it has mm -hmm. I think with Withco as a marketer like you want to be excited about what you're marketing <laughs> and not to like say other industries and products and services aren't exciting but it's like pretty damn powerful that what I'm marketing is helping uh, America's like best entrepreneurs actually like own their real estate and through that have like ultimate control and wealth. So yeah, I think it, I think for me, like I love my community. I live in Brooklyn. Um, like my avenue is all small business. And so it really just resonates that I can actually be doing something to help while still again, like helping my career learning. Like it's honestly like this sweet spot that I never could have imagined being in that I'm very fortunate to be in. Yeah, that's cool. And what do you think like for you about, you mentioned a bit of like, you just enjoy, um, I mean, you enjoy the social aspect of, of storytelling to some degree that, you know, it's, it, it is dealing with people and sharing, you know, sharing stories, sharing ideas. But I wonder like, from your perspective, like, you know, how do you think about good storytelling? Like, what does it mean to you? It could be in marketing or more generally, just like, what is, what does good storytelling look like to you? I think it looks like, something that is lighthearted and that is like emotional though too like i think obviously i i i can get really emotional 
um, and like some of like the sadder things that you see on the internet that like really like, you know, get your heart going. But to me, like when I think of storytelling, I think like the celebratory moments is what gets me so excited because there's obviously a lot of shit that goes on in the world that's awful and sad and like gut wrenching and we should tell those stories. It's so, so important. But yeah, I think for me, it's like, how do you celebrate whether it's like a personal thing and a funny and embarrassing moment? How do you celebrate a business owner? How do you celebrate a, a community organization? Celebrating stuff through stories and kind of finding the like light in things, I think yeah. is like what gets me so excited. That's cool. That's really cool. I like that answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, I try to be like super positive and like maybe to a T <laughs> or to a fault yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but to me, that's yeah, I feel like yeah again like with with co like leasing fucking sucks like being a business owner is hard like we shouldn't like not give credit to the shit part of it but yeah. we also should celebrate what it means to be a business owner and like what with co can unlock and even without with co what business owners do for their community yeah that's cool that's interesting it makes a lot of sense i like it it's a very positive very positive take on it i can relate too i mean i think it's it's funny for me like uh like constructing those kinds of stories like you know, I make documentaries and tell stories and things. And, uh, it's, it's, um, it's always funny how even in the process of making like a really positive story, it's still like really hard to tell good stories. So I always find like, it's, it's an interesting thing to like, to pursue in your life, to tell, like celebrate stories or like celebrations or like whatever, tell these kinds of stories. Cause it's hard, it's hard work. And I think when, when people engage with those kinds of stories, it's like, it feels fun and easy, but it's actually a really hard thing to, to create that, you know, and to do it in an authentic way. Yeah, exactly. Like that, yeah. that like authentic, like look or feeling or like, it's, I always like do this. Cause it's like, you can't describe yeah. it with words, but you can kind of like feel it almost when like you see that portrayed in like yeah. a documentary or video or piece of content um, or photo. Um, but it takes also a really good eye. And so like having the right partners, who have an eye for that is like critical when you're building content that is more celebratory because otherwise it can get like lost in the shuffle and kind of yeah fall flat honestly yep 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 agreed agreed nice cool what else what would you say to somebody what would you say to somebody who's like a a young kind of storyteller who or content marketer let's keep it in in marketing like like what would you say to somebody just setting out in a career in content marketing? Like, like what, you know, what advice would you give about their career? Yeah, it's so. It sounds like your dog has something to say. I was going to say, topic. my dog wants to say. <laughs> he, I think he's getting now yelled at, hopefully. He nice, would say, no don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so. I think focus on having a really high bar. Sorry, can you hear my dog? Yeah, but it's totally fine. It's, me... it's, what's your dog's name? His name is Ollie, and usually he sits on my lap, but I told him that. that Ollie's allowed. Be... We can let Ollie in for the last questions, a couple of questions here. I think he got taken away. He got in trouble. <laughs> um, I would say it's really important to think about like the, like, let's call it one to three pieces of like really rich content that you want to get right. And even if it feels like it would be hard to do because of like resources or money or whatever, like don't let that constrain you when you're first mapping out how to build meaningful content that will engage. 
So like set a really high bar and then back into it because I know not everyone's going to have a budget or buy-in to make a weekly newsletter that like moves the needle or to make videos that really highlight celebratory moments. But I think it's easy to kind of think about, okay, I have to just post every day. I'll just do kind of like the lowest lift thing. And that's an important strategy. But for me, when you're like building trust and building a brand, I, yeah, I would really emphasize kind of thinking about one to three really rich pieces of content that you want to do really well and then getting buy-in from there or backing into like the lower cost version. Yeah. Yeah. We say the same thing when, when we talk to people about video is I think the mistake people make is they try to do everything all at once with video. And it's like, you just got to pick something really specific and then do that really, really, really well and then move on from there. Yeah, exactly. Cause you can't do everything and nor, and you don't want to do things like halfway or like medium well especially in this day and age. Like, honestly, I give so much credit to social media marketers because I could never like having to post every day, stay relevant. Like I get it and it works and like kudos to them. But for me, with the space I'm in, fortunately, I can like lean into like customer stories and I want to do that incredibly well. And that to me will like pay dividends over and over and over and then translate to social. So yeah, exactly. I like how you said that. That's like exactly how to think about it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, good stuff. Anything else we should talk about with storytelling and content? I feel like we covered a lot. I, I mean, I think just before we end, we have to both mention the twin angle. Ah, we do. We do. We because do. Because I feel like it's like, well, one, I don't know what it would be like not to be a twin since we're both twins, but I feel yeah. like it's fundamental to who we are. And it kind of naturally means that we're always thinking about other people and engaging with people and keeping them entertained in a way. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And for context, for all of yes. the thousands of listeners we have, uh, we're, we both have, I have a twin brother and you have a twin sister. Sister, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And it really is a thing. I didn't know it was a, like such a thing until, so I, it was like, I don't know. I think it was like four or five years ago. I think I told you the story where um, basically I was invited to, this was so funny and so trippy. I was invited to be like a guest kind of speaker, basically at a group of mostly moms, but parents who had twins they like, there was this club where they, they met and they talked about like how they should raise their twins, what they should and shouldn't do. And, but what was really trippy for me is there were a few of other people who were there as like resident twins, like speaking about being a twin. And the, the thing that was so striking to me was, was how much of my identity I realized probably came from being a twin because we started talking about all this stuff, other twins went through and then people's twins are going through. And I was like, Oh my God, that's literally all of me. That's like all, that's like all of the things I go through. (laughs) And, but it's so true. You're basically born into a very, very intimate relationship with another human being. And all of your life is seen through that person's eyes. There's no, yeah, like there's everything's in relation to them because you experience everything together, like for the first time. So yeah. And I totally feel you on the, on the, like, from the marketing and storytelling perspective, like I really feel strongly that the reason I make documentaries is because uh, I would, I don't know what else to do. I just, I like listening to people and being in relationships with people and hearing their stories, you know? Uh, I was going to say, like, I love hearing about people and like seeing yeah. people. Like, I think being a twin, like while there's like competition built in, you also like automatically want to celebrate another person and like yeah. want to see someone else really accomplish a lot. 
And so I feel like totally. that yeah, translates to you wanting to highlight every version of that. It kind of like yeah. goes back to what I mentioned earlier. And just like being really empathetic to other people, always yeah. kind of maybe too much, but always thinking about other people, how they feel, yeah. what they will think. So yeah, it is really interesting to think about not only through, I, I like to say luck, how like I got here, you know, landing that job at better, but also like just more holistically, like who we are, how yeah. that kind of translates to like how we approach what we're doing and everything. I agree. I agree. I, I think the, like what you just said is, is so true. And this is something I tell, I tell filmmakers to, to figure out, like when they ask about like, what should I do for my career? Um, which is always a heavy question to try to answer for someone. It's like, I don't know, just go work really hard. But I, I do think the, if I've had any advantages with the, like, me setting out on a career, it's that I just love, I truly love, it's who I am listening to other people's stories. And so I think like just finding, finding that in yeah. who you are, like what is the thing that, that you just like love, you just love doing because then you'll do it well and you'll, I mean, it doesn't have to be like your entire career was, is what you love, but just understanding that about yourself and then bringing that to other people is just like at the end of the day, like that's a good start for marketing, you know, like people will connect to that. A hundred percent. No. So it is, it's always fun to find another twin too and kind of see, because I I, everyone always asks, what's it like? And it's like, it's, it's, it's my life, but yeah. it's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, relatability and like a lot of things are like, oh, wow. It's not just me and my sister. It's like other yeah. twins also have this experience. I know. I, I really, it's, it's like, I think about people I'm close to who don't have twins, which is like everyone. And I feel, I actively like feel sorry that, that, cause like, I, w I don't know what I would do without a twin, you know? And so then I just feel sorry for all my friends. I'm like, damn, y'all, y'all have to do this thing without another person. Like <laughs> that sucks. A hundred percent. And there's like no shame, no second thoughts. Like I no. just, I could yeah. So if anything, what's it like being a twin is pretty fucking awesome. And we're lucky. Oh, it's dope. <laughs> it's dope. It feels like a get out of jail free card, you know? It's like, exactly. what's the worst that can happen? I have a twin brother, you know? I'll just That's go hang exactly out with right. That's exactly right. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Well, cool. This is awesome. I think that's Sweet. probably, probably good. That's a wrap. Amazing. Well, thank you. That was so fun. Thank you so much.